It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Well, I, we had a day off yesterday and, and uh, just started to rest coming into a three and four. So this morning was our first uh, uh, team meeting. And, you know, I just said a lot of, uh, drew out of the positives of the game. Um, you know, us being able to uh, um, come from the West Coast and have a good practice and, and take what we did in practice and, and bring it into the game. I thought that we competed hard. Um, you know, we, we stuck together as a team in a tough building and a desperate game for them. We talked about all those things and about, you know, yes, we're frustrated we didn't score a goal. Uh, we haven't scored a lot lately, but uh, um, then I showed clips of four or five chances that we had that were generated off a shot first mentality and a, and a middle lane drive and, and traffic. And uh, we ended up getting second, third opportunities like I've been preaching. And, uh, you know, and it's more about stay the course. Obviously, the shot clock won't tell you the the real story of the game, if you actually look at the chances um, and you, you break the chances down, we had some uh, uh, some good looks. Um, you know, Saros made a couple of saves when, when they needed it. Um, you know, and of course they had their offense going and they spent some time in our end, but uh, all in all, chance to chance, uh, we weren't far off. Um, we just spent a little too much time in our end, but uh, a lot of good things. And then we talked about uh, bringing that same urgency in tonight's game. It might be a different building, a different situation for a team that's out like us. Um, but you have to try and find that consistency in your in your in your compete. All right, good afternoon everyone and welcome as we get ready for this afternoon's game in Chicago taking on the Blackhawks. We're going to see a lot of Chicago in the near future as we have them today and then we have them on a week from Saturday. So yeah, we get uh we get a little bit of uh Blackhawk action against the Sharks. Obviously, we have two games this weekend, which is nice, at Dallas on Saturday, then at Minnesota on Sunday. Then we're back home on Tuesday night hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets, which I will be very excited for because we just don't have that many home dates left. We have Tuesday, we have Thursday, and then we have Tuesday the 26th. So yeah, we're running we're running out of games, guys, and I don't particularly enjoy that we are not going to be in the playoffs I am definitely glad that we have more games than we did last year. The abbreviated schedule last year was really not fun. Same thing with the year before when everything got, you know, shut down early. So it'll be nice to get through a full 82 games for the first time in three seasons. But I am greedy. I always want more. Uh, we had big news the other day when the Sharks announced they were signing Thomas Bordalo, their draft pick of a couple years ago. Second round pick, of course, has been at Michigan, has been having great success there. But now he's with the CUDA and he had three points in his first game and it was very, very exciting. So to talk about that in the future of the San Jose Barracuda, we are now joined by the play-by-play voice of the San Jose Barracuda, the one and only Nick Nolenberger. Noli, what's going on, man? How are you doing? What's going on, Ted? Nice to chat with you. Everything is good, man. We're, we're getting towards the end of the season, so I'm excited about the new building, but all is good. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, man, I love the uh, the videos, the promos they've been playing inside SAP Center when you're taking the tours with the uh, lead architect or engineer. I'm, I'm messing up his exact uh, title, but man, that place, all the updates, that's gonna be that's gonna be sick, man. Like, not only is it gonna be just a more intimate environment, 
but just like the things that are also going to happen inside that building concerts, you know, other events, it's, it's going to be great. And plus everything else that's coming with it too. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. It's a total game changer for the team. And uh, last night uh, was our final game at SAP Center. It was kind of bittersweet. But at the same time, you look towards the future and it's just pure excitement because the team's going to, uh, it's going to move into its, move out of the shadow, I think, of the Sharks. It's going to build its own identity. We can really run a business um, aside from just under the umbrella of the Sharks. So um, it's going to be a total game changer. I think the prospects are going to love it. The fans are going to love it. You know, it's going to have a home ice advantage, something that at times we didn't have because of the size SAP center. So super excited. Cannot wait. I know our, our staff is growing uh, by the day, it seems like, too. So that's been really exciting. So a lot of good stuff ahead, not only for the Sharks, but uh, or not only for the Barracuda, but for the Sharks as, an, as a whole. Yeah. No, every a lot of excitement. And plus, just every day, it feels like we take another step towards everything getting closer and back to normal. And, you know, like by the time that building's opening, you know, you would hope that there's no talk of, you know, coronavirus beyond it being just like something we manage and every place is packed. Like that would just be exactly what we all want to see. But well, enough about that, because uh, nobody wants to hear about coronavirus in general. Um, last night was an exciting night for the Barracuda and for the San Jose Sharks organization. Thomas Bordalo making his debut. Uh, we saw uh, Coach Sommer afterwards saying that, yeah, he probably thinks it's going to be easy because he was racking up the assists. Um, I mean, that, I mean, I, I suppose it could have gone better, but it did go pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it took him a minute to get a point at the AHL level in his first pro game. It was funny. I was still going through the lineups yeah. when uh, the, the goal was scored. So, um, yeah, pretty good debut. It, it was funny, too, because the assist had not originally filed in on the, the second and third assist right away. Um, I think, well, one of them, I believe, was a primary, but one of them was a secondary assist. So all of a sudden, I take a look. I'm curious. I'm like, okay, he's got an assist here. What, what is? What else does he have? How many shots does he have on net? And all of a sudden, I look at the box score, and it had an adjust. He had three assists. And in <laughs> mid-game, I'm like, are you kidding me? He's got three assists already. So um, quite the debut. He's a really interesting kid, and I think Sharks fans will find out a lot about him over the next handful of months, especially going into next year and into training camp. Now that he's officially a pro, his college career is behind him. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't play any pro games and then go back and try to play college. So he is a pro now. What's going to happen with his contract, we'll wait and see on that. Um, but eventually it'll get done. There's no doubt about it. But he, he is an interesting kid because he's 20 years of age. His dad played in the NHL. His dad is a development coach in the NHL with the Predators. His grandfather played in the NHL. He's got a lineage that not a lot of kids have. And what that provides, I think, especially with a dad who's in a coaching realm, is he's just advanced beyond his years. You talk mm -hmm. to him, he's really mature, well-spoken. He speaks multiple languages. He's very worldly. He was, he was born in the U.S., they, Grew up basically in Europe while his dad was playing pro hockey. And now he calls Quebec home. So he speaks French. He, he talks to all the French players. Yet he played for the U.S. national program uh, in the States representing the U.S. Played at an American school at Michigan. Um, just a really interesting kid. Really fascinating background, but very mature. And you watch the way he plays the game. I know it was one game and one sample size. But um, the way he thinks the game, the way he processes the game, he's got natural scoring ability. But I think, and he admitted this before the game as I spoke to him, he's much more of a playmaker. So now is he going to score goals? Sure. But he's also mm -hmm. going to set up his teammates. He's going to provide more space, more time to, to execute plays just off his vision and his hockey smarts. So really encouraging prospect beyond just – the surface level stuff there's a lot there that i think sharks fans should be really excited about i'm excited to see what he does in training camp next year because when you get him with nhl players 
we'll see how those skills translate, how fast he's able to process information. But I think his learning curve is going to be accelerated because of his background. I think one of the things that was most exciting when he, when the hype started building around him after the Sharks drafted him and, you know, people saw the results he was having with Michigan, I went and started watching his highlights and it's, it's interesting. And obviously it's what good players do, but it's what you look at with, with a Bordalo, with an Eklund, um, you know, with any of the Sharks draft picks, Weisblatt, another one, he receives the puck with such great positioning. He's always, he's very square. He's very heads up. He turns his hips. He's got his shoulders. It just looks like he's ready to go. And then when he gets the puck, he's moving with conviction. Like that's the thing I see with him, with Ozzy, with Eklund. It's like those three guys, it seems like more so than maybe the other prospects we've seen with the Sharks in recent memory. It's like they know what to do, not only when they have the puck, but before it gets to them. They're ready to move as soon as it's on their tape. Yeah, and they're modern forwards too. You look at Bortolo's size, and he's five foot nine, close to maybe 180. So he's not a huge guy, but you see the skills firsthand. Like he made a move in last night's game that most guys would have, I think he was carrying it down the right wing. And most guys would have tried to open up and play it on his forehand. Instead, he kind of twisted the wrist and flicked a little quick backhander to the back post. He had Hulk Gawks chasing, trying to chase it down. It was maybe a six inches too too long, but just the the wherewithal to try to work it to his backhand as opposed to opening up his hips and, and trying to make a forehand pass, you just don't see that very often. That's a confident player. These young players have a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. But for him to, to just try to execute that and do it in in a quick motion, not not slow, try to get it over to his backhand. I mean, it was quick. It was bang, bang. He, he had it off his tape, and it, it was just like, wow, that was a pretty slick play. So um, you're absolutely right. The, the tempo and the pace that these forwards play with um, is pretty impressive. It's really fun to watch, and that's why all of a sudden you jump into a pro game and they're able to step in and pick up points just like that because they have that type of ability. It's all the other things I think that'll get you to the NHL and allow you to stick. And that's taking care of your defensive zone, you know, being responsible, all those things that coaches love, but the skill you can't teach. Right. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's got that in his arsenal is what makes him an encouraging player and why you take him where they did. And you talked about that Michigan team, seven first rounders on that team. And he finished basically top five in all scoring categories. Yeah. And the year before was named the top freshman in college hockey. So he, he accomplished basically all that you could have asked for. I think he would have asked for a national championship. <laughs> they came up just short, falling in the semifinal, scored in that game against Denver. But uh, really exciting. And again, you said it off the top. I don't think you could have really asked for a better debut. And as Roy said, very classic Roy response. I think he's going to think this league is easy. <laughs> um, I could have guessed that response if I had to guess what Roy was going to say post game. But obviously being a little bit facetious, but um, really exciting to see him get into the lineup. And really, not only gave the Barracuda a jolt, but I think it's going to give the organization a jolt going into the offseason. Has there been any frustration amongst the coaching staff of the Barracuda about maybe the ways that their uh, staff has been called up to the Sharks in greater numbers than they projected over the course of the season? I mean, I, I saw, obviously, the other night that the, the math worked out to where you guys are uh, eliminated condolences, obviously, because you always want to have a, a run in the playoffs. But I, I mean, there's it by my estimation, there's been way more activity with the Barracuda than maybe was expected at the start of the season in terms of guys getting called up. 
Yeah, you know, it's that has been the name of the game the last two years with COVID. So I think for the coaching staff, it was somewhat expected that we could have see a lot of a fluid movement this year. I think the number now is at 50 players that we've played this year and deployed. And I think it was six or maybe seven goaltenders we've had. Um, so it's been a revolving door at every position. Roy has talked about it ad nauseum, just the constant movement and shuffling of the lines there's been really no consistency with the lines no fault of his own no fault of the players we've dealt with injuries the the trade deadline decimated the club and now the sharks are are looking long term so you've got a team in the barracuda obviously somewhat out of the playoff picture at that point not officially eliminated so since the the trade deadline we've really struggled to find our footing but just overall as a, as a season as a whole you have the taxi squad for a little bit that's going to take away some of your best players mm-hmm. basically keep them on a shelf for some of these guys not even playing games we saw it the year before too so yeah it is it is impacted the team drastically um it, it's hard to to pinpoint what has been the biggest issue this year but probably the fact that you've had so many different players come and go and, and I look back when we had the trade deadline I look back at our opening night roster you know we had seven guys still on the team from opening night once the trade deadline had had finished up we had only seven guys remaining on the team that played opening night so it gives you an idea of the type of movement we've had this year again whether it's injuries trades or recalls uh, we have been completely uh, completely impacted by it this year, probably more so than any other year. And I think I, I was doing the math again, adding up all the numbers. I think we we're a couple players off from the most players used in the single season. And I think we have surpassed that since I looked it up. So um, it has been a wild year to say the least. I think the positive of it all is we're going to play 68 games. We're going to play a full regular season. So it's a full developmental year. We had the last two years either shortened because of COVID or we had the condensed schedule last year. They had a Pacific division playoffs last year. No other division in the AHL had playoffs. So we're going to have a normal Calder Cup playoffs this year, although the Barracuda won't be participating, which is too bad. But it also gives you some excitement going into next year with the new building. But it it has been a kind of a fascinating year, to say the least. Um, But I think overall, there's been a collective frustration among the players just because of the lack of results. Coaches, uh, I think, have echoed the, the same feelings, but it is, you know, it, it is what it is in the American League because every year you see so much turnover with the rosters. You can go from the bottom of your division, bottom of the league, to right near the top. We've seen it uh, with a couple of teams in the Pacific Division in the AHL. So I'm really excited about next year because we have so many young players on the cusp of, of entering their pro careers, and we'll see who is on the Barracuda when things get started and who is maybe up with the Sharks and who goes back to junior or college. But um, there's a lot of exciting prospects in the pipeline ready ready to uh, start making an impact within the organization. Have you been surprised by the success that a lot of the the, the blue liners have had getting called up to the Sharks? Because that's been something that you know has been a, a pleasant surprise. It's like this team has a lot of depth at defensemen. The guys are ready to be called up and ready to go. I mean, we saw Santri Hatika. He was very impressive during the original COVID outbreak back on October 30th of last year. You know, those guys came in and Ryan Merkley, who I think the consensus was at the prospect game that it was like, hey, when's Ryan Merkley going to take that next step? All of a sudden he gets called up during that COVID uh, initial outbreak and then he looks like a player. It's like there was a very, very rapid evolution of a lot of these guys yeah it's been it's been incredible to watch I, I think I, I I will learn one of these days that uh, the lineup that you pencil in in training camp is probably not going to be the lineup that you have at the end of the year <laughs> Jake Middleton I thought there was a chance that he may be the seventh D with the Sharks possibly play a lot of games back in the American Hockey League 
injuries. Nikolai Kanijov not playing all season long opened up an opportunity. Uh, Performance-based, COVID, all these different factors have given young players an opportunity. I know Jake had, had cut his teeth in the American League for a handful of years, but it's just interesting how things work. He was given an opportunity. He ran with it. Now he's, of course, in Minnesota and wish, wish him the best of luck. But it, it's incredible how quickly things can happen for players. You mentioned Ryan Merkley, Santeri Hatika, another player in the fold. Artemi Kinyazov played one game. He's a guy who has really come on for the Barracuda over the back half of the season, which Sharks fans should be excited about a second rounder from a couple of years ago. So it is incredible how the, the organization has been able to develop defensemen and kind of plug and play, and they've been effective. Even Jacob Megna, I don't think the expectations were all that high for him. He played last year on an AHL contract. They signed him to an NHL deal just to give the organization flexibility in case they needed him. And now all of a sudden, he's basically been a regular over the last handful of months. So it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and give big kudos to the organization, the development staff, the coaching staff in the AHL, just getting these guys ready from a systematic standpoint. So when they go to the NHL, they're not thinking they're just playing. Well, Noli, I know you got stuff to do, man, so I will let you go. But I appreciate your time as always. Keep up the great work. Loving the calls, man. And we'll talk soon, all right? Thank you, Ted. Appreciate it. Again, that was Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the San Jose Barracuda, joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get you ready for today's game against Chicago. Now, Bob Bugner also had some other interesting things to say, talking about how he is divvying up his ice time right now. He was asked if a guy like Mark Edward Vlasic could get sat down for a couple games if he doesn't have a good game, or if other guys could earn more time on the ice, at least with references to Malosh and or Merkley. Yeah, um, it, again, it comes down to the same question you asked me about Dalene. Give me a reason why why to stay in the lineup and to, to stay, you know, um, if he plays well, he stays. It's real simple. So um, the question is, if Vlasic plays a bad game, does he come out? Yeah, possibly. He knows that. He was scratched earlier this season. I think Pickle's best games have, have been of late, probably the last 20 games. This is the best as he's played this season. So, but um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think, uh, um, you know, the young guys need to push and once they get their opportunity, they need to, uh, um, they need to find a way to stay. And, uh, um, you know, and those are decisions are made, uh, you know, I'm sure Merkley's going to get a chance again this week and we got three and four, there'll be some, uh, um, you know, opponent-based decisions. There'll also be some, uh, um, you know, putting fresh legs in there. Um, and when you get back in there, do your job, uh, make it a hard decision for you to pull you out. Obviously it's not fun right now with the sharks having gone quite a while without posting a win. Last one occurring on March 26th when they beat Anaheim by a final of 4-1. to one. But Bob Bugner was asked about how he himself is keeping positive. Uh, yeah, my job is to keep it positive. And, and, and obviously, not every day is positive. We, we uh, make corrections and, uh, um, you know, we have a lot of heart-to-hearts and we have a lot of meetings with the players and one-on-ones and group meetings and things like that. So, um, you know, you got to be realistic of uh, where we're at, who we're playing, what our lineup looks like. Um, and that's why the things that are really important for me right now is guys showing up and, and, and playing hard for each other and competing. Um, you know, I do the exercise every game. I look at our lineup, I look at their lineup, and then I say, okay, where does this guy fit into this other team's lineup? When you go into Minnesota, you go into Dallas, um, you know, is, is he, can he play on that team? Can he make that roster? Can he be in their top six? Um, you know, and a lot of times we're just at a different stage. I think it's pretty obvious to see uh, when you look at the lineups every night, um, especially against the teams that are in the playoffs and that are, are gearing up to uh, open up the first round in two weeks. Um, 
there's a, there's a definite mismatch. And my job is to try and push these young guys to develop and play better and put them in situations, have the older guys lead by example and set the standard. Um, but also staying realistic. Of course, we want to win a game and, and, uh, and get out of this. We've had some good efforts during that stretch. Um, but, you know, we just got to uh, uh, make sure that as long as they're playing the right way, that's really what I'm concerned about right now. And he's right. And the thing is, the Sharks, for the most part, are playing the quote-unquote right way because they are in games. They are fighting. They are battling. They are fighting for each other. Unfortunately, they just can't score. I mean, that's not hyperbole. They got shut out in the last game. And like I've said a thousand times, if you keep a team to one or two goals, you should be able to win. We just can't say that about the San Jose Sharks right now. Hopefully, we can after tonight. All right, that wraps it up. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off.